he reads it this way alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin arrahmanir rahim so this is a very big mistake of tajweed and you have asked me regarding the reason why this is widespread of course the first reason is that they have not studied tajweed from the right tutors or from the right person from the right sources it's important that you study it from the one who is qualified for it bismillahir rahmanir rahim okay bismillahir rahmanir rahim assalamu alaikum all and welcome to another episode of the optimized muslim podcast interview series Today alhamdulillah have a special guest with me after much planning we finally managed to do this and I'm joined by Ustad Farhan Samani so I'll do a quick introduction for Ustad Farhan and then we'll get into the topic the topic is going to be about tajweed Quran memorization the process that Ustad followed to get to where he is today and we're just going to have more of a broad discussion on memorizing the quran the different techniques and also his personal journey his personal practices and habits and so it's well aligned with the optimized muslim project and they're the kind of guests that i like to have on alhamdulillah so farhan samani is he is the founder of tajweed essentials learning community and we link all of the relevant links in the description he's worked with various national and international organizations he's fluent in arabic english and urdu he's a inspirational public speaker and content writer and he has formally completed his islamic education through arabic medium and obtained an ijaza in the quran in a recitation of the quran i'm just going to go over how i first came across farhan and that's <clears throat> excuse me so that's one of the benefits of the internet age is because i was actually learning arabic i was doing some arabic classes with a teacher in morocco who was actually the teacher behind the al arabia bayna series on youtube from green lane masjid and alhamdulillah it's like you have to reach out and you have to try and make use of some of the benefits that the internet affords us because i used to study his videos and then one day i just thought why don't i try and reach out to him and get some one on one coaching because most of these teachers online are willing to do that so then i started studying with him only briefly and i asked him if he could recommend some tajweed tutor because i wanted to improve my tajweed and then he gave me ustad farhan's details and then after that as soon as i became acquainted with him i had it in my mind that i wanted to have him on as a guest inshallah on the podcast and you'll understand why once we get talking because he's only 22 23 years of age i think and he's i just the overall way he teaches he's got an online course so he's making use of like modern technology to teach tajweed to people all around the world he's also a very good hafiz because he won a national competition in India and we'll go into that as well so these are all the reasons why i wanted to have him on the podcast and i'm very alhamdulillah grateful that he's given us some of his time we'll start just starting off <clears throat> everyone has a everyone who does hifs has like a personal story of how they first got started what was their first motivation 
what was the first thought that led them towards uh, the Quran and like the journey of Hifs? I wanted to ask you to go into that um, and also if you'd like some a brief background about yourself if I've missed something in the introduction. Sure. Jazakumullah khairan kathira brother Adil for calling me in. I feel honored to be a part of your podcast <laughs> and as I've always been following your podcast as well. I've been listening. Not possible for me because of the busy schedule, not possible to listen to the complete podcast, but I listen to the short clips which you mm. prepare. So you have asked me regarding my story. How did I get inspired towards Quran and where did, it, where did that thought come in that I should memorize the glorious Quran? So I would like to tell you where my story begins. My story begins while I was studying in a Christian convent school and you are aware the Christian convent schools, which are usually run over here, they impart their religious Christian teachings. So while I was a part of those schools in my early age, I wasn't aware of the Islamic teachings. You could say that I was only aware of the kalma, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, and not aware of its meanings, what are the pillars of Islam, etc. Until a time came that my parents realized that it is very important that they work on my Islamic education. So that's when I switched, my parents switched me from this Christian convent school and got me admitted into an Islamic school. And this particular Islamic school, it is one of the best schools here in India. And uh, it's an, an international school by the name Islamic International School. As of now, this school's management has changed and I won't like to go into further details about that. But I would just like to state over here that just as I switched from this Christian convent school into this Islamic school, I was very much excited to know that there's so much to learn in our deen. And even one of, one of the important personalities who have inspired me towards Quran is none other than the Imam of Haram, Sheikh Saud al-Shurain, Hafizullah. So I remember in my childhood days, my father, he used to play his recitation. You must be aware that there's a version of Sudais plus Shurain. So there are some audio recordings wherein you have Sheikh Sudais reading and even Sheikh Shurain reading and continuing along. So I used to listen to that and I used to, I used to feel in those days that this voice which I'm hearing or these words which I'm hearing, they are not belonging to the earth and they do not belong to any human being. Rather, it has something, it has a heavenly origin. In those days, I was not much aware of Islamic knowledge, but I just realized and I was very much inspired by his voice. And as time passed in India, there used to be an annual international Islamic conference by the name of Peace Conference. And it used to get held in Mumbai itself. So I got to know that Sheikh Saud Ashuraim, he himself is going to come and lead the Juma Salah in this peace conference. So I was very much excited and happy and was like wanting to meet him. And Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave me the opportunity to meet as I was a part of the Islamic International School. So Sheikh Saud Ashuraim, he had a special meeting 
with all the school with all the school students and in that meeting he addressed us in arabic and we also got a chance to meet him so sheikh saud ashur he is one of those important personalities who have inspired me towards quran and if i were to take you back to when i got into the school after i got admitted at first they ensure that your tilawa is well in place before you get started with hips so by then after having completed almost 6 to 7 months of duration in that new school i got okay. fluent in my tilawa how old were you at this stage yeah i was just 10 years of age when i got admitted into this islamic okay. school okay so still very so, young yeah i was very young at first my ustaz they ensured that my tilawa was well and then they took my test whether i am eligible for hibs and they found that alhamdulillah i am eligible and as soon as i got admission into the because we have separate classes for hibs we used to have separate classes for hibs in those days and as i got started it took me around one and a half years time to complete the memorization of the glorious quran alhamdulillah mm. uh, since mm-hmm. my memorization capacity was good so ustaz used to assign me good amount of portion so mm-hmm. in a day we used to have an intensive hibs course which used to be for two months duration and in this particular intensive hibs course i memorized the maximum portion per day we used to memorize five to six pages and our ustaz also used to ensure that everything which has been memorized is up to the mark and that's when he used to let me go ahead and within a span of one and a half years i completed my hibs alhamdulillah and thereafter immediately the same year where i completed my hibs i also started leading tarawih salah in several places mm. in the first year i led the tarawih salah when i was just 12 years of age it mm. was in my school itself and thereafter i got opportunities in several masajid of mumbai and alhamdulillah even until today 2022 this year as well i led tarawih in one of the grand mosques of mumbai so that is mm. a brief story about how i got inspired towards hibs and if you want you can ask me further questions and i can share more details yeah jazakallah khairan for that because i'm interested in all of these little details especially because i can relate to it somewhat so i always like to hear about the different methods and So in this intensive course first of all how how many of these schools are there was this school near where you lived the islamic school yeah so i was saying how close was this school to where you lived the school was just about 15 minutes hmm. uh, from our house but when we used to go by car so it's it just 15 minutes so it's a blessing that the you had the school so close next to you as well Yeah, alhamdulillah. And the closeness benefited us in various ways. One of those ways is that after I completed my hips and that once you have just completed the hips, you need, require lots of revisions so that your hips becomes even stronger. Hmm. So after I completed my hips, my ustaz, he had told me that you are required to do some intensive revisions. So I remember that. in those days i had just completed my 10th standard and after i had completed my 10th standard i was 
having good amount of time, almost four to five months. And within these four to five months, I used to go on a daily basis to my school and right from 6.30 a.m. in the morning until 1 p.m. I used to stay with my ustas and we used to have the revision sessions. We used to take breaks as well in between. And during this duration, I used to cover around six to seven juz in a day in mm -hmm. order to maintain the hips properly. And this is how it benefited. There was ease of traveling. So I used to easily go to the school, spend my time over there and come back. So this is how it benefited me as well. Yeah, we always have to appreciate the blessings because oftentimes if one thing was different, it's the qadr of Allah. But if one thing was different, then if I think to my situation, if when we first started, we had a new ustad who had come recently from Pakistan, a qari. And if that qari hadn't come to our masjid, then we would be in a completely different situation. Alhamdulillah, as in, because there was no one else like him in terms of even now. Obviously, he's still there now. Alhamdulillah, his name is Qari Razal Mustafa. But if he, what I'm trying to say is there's these little blessings that we have to take account of or big blessings of like your ustad, which mosque you get into, which system you get into. And I think it helped as well that it seems that you had, it was a well-established system. So even after you finished the Quran, they put you straight into this intense revision process because, and that benefits you because I remember when I finished, I didn't stay in class for long. So then I think that was the key time where I should have spent more time revising it because then your life, you start developing in school, going to like the different stages of the academic life. So you get less time as you grow older. So that's the key period where you have to capitalize on that time. Exactly. What mm -hmm. we have just mentioned, the blessings are abandoned. Alhamdulillah. All praises are for Allah. Mm -hmm. that he has blessed all of us. And when you talk about the hymns, whatever success I have achieved in hymns, it's all because of Allah's help. And even my parents who have always motivated me. And of course, my esteemed ustaz, his name is Kari Naseem Idrisi. He's also an Indian. So even I would like to mention some points about my ustaz, Kari Naseem Idrisi, who has been instrumental in helping me perfect mm -hmm. my hips. So Kari Naseem, ever since he became a Hafiz, he mentions to me that even today, he's almost 30 years of age. So he mentions to me that on a daily basis, he revises three Jews from the Quran. And that too, without any break in between. He does not take any break in the week. On a daily mm. basis, he revises three Jews while he travels from his home to the school. And when he even when he goes back, he uses this time to revise his Jews is a daily portion. So he has been an inspiration and the system which he introduced me to that has also Alhamdulillah worked a lot and it has benefited me to a very great extent. Yeah. And another side point is this is why it's so difficult if someone wants to try and memorize the Quran themselves, because what happens is sometimes we hear these uh, inspirational stories. I remember there was a, a small video that went viral some years ago where it was about like an elderly man who managed to memorize the Quran. 
or there's other stories because we all hear like the exceptional cases they call it the availability bias where because you hear certain stories because they're exceptions we make the mistake of thinking that they're more common or they're more easy to attain than they actually are so there was this incident of people sometimes ask if they can memorize the quran by themselves at home and i think and obviously i want your take on this as well that in order to replicate all of the systematic kind of benefits that you have in like a madrasa or masjid system is too difficult to do because hifs by itself is already very difficult and intense and by having to do everything yourself find a teacher schedule the time um schedule the study time not have a community around you not have people around you that are doing the same thing you're just stacking up the level of difficulty and you're going to make it even harder and i don't think it's possible for the vast majority of people unless they're like a very disciplined super achiever then anything's possible by and large that would be my advice is join the system join the madrasa system and you're going to have to put some years into it exactly what you have just mentioned that with the vast majority of people they do require to enroll themselves in a proper hibs class or a hip system so that they go ahead in this according to the right manner mm-hmm. and uh, i've always believed and even i keep telling this to my students and even whenever i conduct some webinar i bring across this point that quran when it comes to learning quran it is a subject which demands human touch it whether it be hips or whether it be anything else even tilawa it requires a human touch how much ever the technology progresses there are several apps which are using ai feature to check your tajweed etc you must mm. have been you must have heard of it those are not up to the mark mm. the level of correction or the level of accuracy which a human can offer you no app or no technology can offer that to you so mm-hmm. it's always advisable whoever wants to go ahead in terms of learning quran whether it be learning tajweed or hifz or whether it be the quran ensure that you are under the guidance of a qualified quran teacher one who has spent his years with the quran one who has the right understanding of how you should approach learning quran he is the one who will inshallah help you achieve success in whatever goal you have set for yourself and one who has a track record as well you have to make use of what you have in your locality to an extent but i feel think if there's a bigger system that the ustad is part of bigger school then obviously even the ustad has oversight and it makes the system work and gel a lot better in that regard but i alhamdulillah yeah so i just wanted to a couple of like brief more technical questions and then i'm going to move on to the next Uh, but i'm sure a lot of people will be interested in this because this episode is more tailored to people who are interested in hifs or have completed hifs or they want and their children or someone to do hifs so i was going to ask you what how important is it to choose a certain mushaf because i'll give you my personal <laughs> example is when i started hifs and obviously when you start 
you're young, nine, ten, and you won't have this information. You're just going to say if you have to select a, a random mushaf, you're going to probably choose the one that looks the nicest with the nicest cover, the nicest kind of calligraphy on there. And when I was young, I chose this copy of the Quran was 11 lines, right? Okay. 11 lines and it was the Indo-Pak script. Okay. So it wasn't the, I think the standard one is the 16 line Saudi one. I forgot what the, like the official term for it is, but this one is an 11 line Quran. And unfortunately, ever since is my most prized possession now, because I've never found another one. <laughs> I've never found another copy other than my brother, which was brought at the same time. I've looked online. I've tried to search PDFs. The only way I can probably get another one is if I get it specifically scanned and made. And this is a big, how can I say it? This is a somewhat of a drawback because when it comes to revising, I have to use this Quran because how we memorize is you have certain, let's say like photographs in your mind of the pages structure. So you can't keep changing the Mus'haf. I guess yes. you can at a very advanced level. So what would you say uh, on that? So do you have that same Mus'haf which you used to refer to in your childhood? Yes, I still have it, but it's very difficult to find another copy. Like if I go to a random masjid, you can always find the 16 line Arabic, like the Saudi version of yeah, the Quran. Yeah, Medina. Okay, Mus'haf al-Madina, yeah. So yes. I, if I was advising someone now, I'd tell them to choose that one because it's the most widely available. Exactly. What you have mentioned regarding choosing the right Mus'haf for Hibs, it's very important that you choose the right Mus'haf and you stick with it all throughout your hips. It should not get like you have started with some Mus'haf and then you are switching on to some other Mus'haf. The one which I referred to when I started hips, it's known as the Hafizi Quran over here in India. I think it's even available in your country as well, in Pakistan, etc. It's a very common one used, referred to by Hufaz. So this Hafiz Quran, but obviously it is based on the Indo-Pak script and it has 15 lines. The speciality of this Mus'haf is that each page ends on an ayah. Each page of the Quran, it's, it ends on an ayah and this helps you whenever you are leading Taraweeh Salah. So it also helps you in Taraweeh Salah and it also helps in creating visual memory. So even today, after having completed around, if I will just to tell you the number of revisions which I have completed, they have nearly reached 100 revisions until now. So after having completed 100 revisions, right now I do not require, Alhamdulillah, to refer to the Mus'haf. Whenever I want to revise any juice, even today I have a fixed call with my Ustaz, the same Ustaz who has taught me hips. I recite to him on a daily basis one juice from the Quran. So when I want to recite, today I do not require to look into the Mus'haf because I have followed just one Mus'haf. I have stayed with it all throughout my hips. Now mm -hmm. it has created a visual memory in my brain and it does not require me to go back again and again to the Mus'haf. So mm -hmm. this is where it benefits you. Moreover. Some people, they choose the Mus'habs which are meant for Tilawa purpose. So in India, you have 13 lines Quran. And I think the one which you mentioned, 11 lines Quran, even that is for Tilawa purpose. 
So these mushafs, uh, you will find that each page in the Quran, it does not end on an ayah. It usually gets carried on to the next page. It creates a little bit of difficulty when it comes to leading tarah. And uh, that is the reason I advise whoever wants to do hivs. He either chooses the 15 lines Indo-Pak script mushaf or either he chooses the 15 lines Mushaful Madina, the one which has been printed from King Fahad, King Fahad Press in Saudi Arabia, which is usually known as the Madina Mushaf, the one which you are referring to. Even that is 15 lines and each page ends on an ayah. One more benefit which you get through the Indo-Pak script is that you have the Ruku system. So this Ruku system also helps. For example, if you follow the Ruku system while you are leading Salah, or while you are leading Taraweeh Salah, you are you can stay rest assured that wherever, if you are ending your Tilawa on a Ruku, you can stay rest assured that you have completed the context. Because these Rukus, they are placed according to the context of the verses. The topic keeps changing from mm. page to page. So this Ruku system ensures that you are reciting the ayahs of one context. Okay. Even this is another advantage. Whichever Mus'haf you start with, you stay with it till the end and you don't keep switching between Mus'hafs because that will affect your visual memory of the Quranic pages. Jazakallah mm. khair. Yeah, that nicely raises that topic. But even when you're mentioning these different Mus'haf types, you realize how much depth there is to everything as in I, I had never knew about this how there's certain mushaf that are more suit more suited for those who want to do hifs and the different ones for tilawa and th this is the kind of knowledge that can help you and and this is the benefit of asking someone who has expertise in that field the next kind of thing i wanted to ask you about is just a brief overview of your system in terms of when you were memorizing the Quran. So actually, first, I remember you said that you study every day with the same Ustad. So do you do that over a call? And do you have a specific time scheduled every day, seven days a week? Or how do you get that? Yeah, this happens six days a week. Okay, we have off on Sunday, even today, it's an off. Yeah. And it takes place on a daily basis at 8.30pm India time. I start at 8.30pm and recite until 9pm. And once I'm done, even my younger sister, who is also a Hafiza, so she also recites her portion mm. to the same Ustaz. So we have been following this ever since I have completed and passed out from the school. Even after passing out from the school, I am still doing this. Because if you, I have realized this, if you just rely on your own self, that I will do the revision by my own self, it gets very difficult. You require a lot of discipline. Although I did try, but I was not able to maintain it because of when you commit yourself to someone that I will recite you the portion on a daily basis, then this helps a lot. This yes. eases the task for you. Accountability. Accountability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I was thinking about this and because I'm at the moment, I'm limited to half a juz a day, which isn't really enough if you want to have your Quran at the best level. It's enough to what i keep what i say in terms of keep it ticking over as they say it's like an expression but it's not enough if you want to have it memorized to the next level but alhamdulillah there's different phases of life and have the niyah and intention to focus more on it in the future inshallah and 
so what was the in terms of the learning process for us it used to be like we used to have sabki and manzil right <laughs> which mm. sabak is like yeah the portion that you're actually memorizing fresh and then sabki is like the portion of the same juz so let's say you're halfway through the 29th juz then sabki is from the start of 29th to where you are in terms of your sabak and then manzil is just all of the previous exactly. that you've memorized so is, is that something similar that you used exactly okay it's very similar we just used to use english terms for it so for sabak we used to call new lesson for uh, sapkan para <laughs> we used to call new revision and for manzil we used to call it in urdu as muraja this we used to refer to as old revision mm. so these were the three things three aspects which we used to focus on a daily basis as far as sabak is concerned new lesson is concerned if i were to talk about my school days the normal regular school days which we used to have so on a daily basis we used to have one hour hifz class wherein ustaz used to assign five lines of sabak so five lines of new lesson used to be assigned ustaz used to recite to me first i used to follow him and then there's a certain way of repeating because hifz is all about repetition and even it's just not repetition it's conscious repetition it has to be you have to have your mind all into the quran you should not get distracted in any way there used to be a certain way of repeating even i will tell that in a while and so these five lines used to get assigned to us on a daily basis we used to memorize it and give the portion to ustaz and when it comes to the new revision were those pages which you have just freshly memorized for example if you are if your sabak is on tul qalam from juz number 29 if your sabak is on suratul qalam so for you the new revision would be suratul mulk which you have just memorized before suratul qalam minimum two pages were supposed to be recited from the new revision part and when it came to old revision we used to have a dedicated class even on sundays sundays were not free for us it was not a holiday for us we always had to go even on sundays and this sunday was specifically meant for covering your old revision portion the old revision portion is just like you have completed juz number 30 now you are on juz 29 so for you your old revision would be juz number 30 and we were asked to recite it at first 5 plus 5 so that makes it into 20 pages and after having covered it quarterly we used to cover it 10 pages together so i we used to recite 10 pages at once and then the other remaining 10 pages in the other go and after we had done this we used to recite the whole juz all together so this is the system which we used to follow and when it comes to new lesson which i just told you i would be mentioning for example these five lines of new lesson which were assigned to you they contain five verses from the quran at once you will focus only on one verse for example you begin with verse number 1 so verse number 1 you are supposed to recite it at least 7 to 10 times until mm-hmm. it is there in your memory and after you have done this you were supposed to close the mushaf and read it on your own not give the sabak directly to the ustaz 
first ensure that you have you, you have gained confidence on that verse and after you have realized that you have gained confidence on that verse you can proceed to the second verse even repeat it for 7 to 10 times when once you are done you recite it by closing the mushaf and after that verse number 1 and verse number 2 together mm. after that you focus on the link between the verses verse mm. number 1 and then verse number 2 and once you are confident with the link as well then you proceed to verse number 3 you do it the same way and after you are confident on verse number 3 you come all the way from verse 1 2 and 3 you recite them together for nearly 7 to 10 times and you go ahead in a similar manner you also do the same way for verse 4 and 5 and make sure that you read them together so that the link is established in your mind yeah so was in brief about the system which we used to follow and when it came to intensive hips course so in intensive hips course we were supposed to do at least i would just tell you about the timings they used to time uh, they used to start at 6:30 a.m in the morning and continue all until 4:30 in the evening mm. so almost 10 hours of intensive hip study where in some periods were meant for new lesson some periods for new revision and the last period which we used to have it used to be for old revision so in in the intensive hips course we were supposed to memorize nearly two new pages and mm. even do around 10 pages of new revision and 10 pages of old revision so this was in brief about the system for the intensive hips course as well jazakal khair so it's a very like linear straightforward process in terms of like you memorize one re- recite it seven times or seven to ten times until it close the mushaf yeah. recite it from memory because i think sometimes nowadays people get too much into the details before they've even started sometimes they just want to know the process and i think the basic advice is at least just recite a line until you're able to recite it by memory move on to the next one and then you'll develop your own specific way of learning after that once you get a bit more experience so in this school you were also because i think say if you're living in the west and you're not at an islamic school now i'm of the mind that we should definitely try and send our children to islamic schools because by and large obviously everywhere has some issues but by and large it's better than the kind of non-muslim schools exactly. that are available because if you're in a non-muslim school then unfortunately generally you're using your leftover energy for the quran because you be at school and then you rush home get ready and then 5 to 8 in the evening you go to the masjid so by 8 p.m. you've already been awake for over 12 13 hours so by that time your cognitive capacity is diminished a lot exactly. and ideally if you were doing it in the best possible way the hifs portion would be at the beginning of the day when your mind's the freshest so these are little things that obviously depends on your situation but and the next thing i wanted to ask you about is in the same school you were also learning english and urdu yeah exactly i learned english even the other academic subjects maths science urdu i was also not aware of urdu as i told you my background is from a christian convent school so urdu is not taught over there 
so when i came into this new school i was taught urdu from the scratch i was not i was able to speak urdu because that's the same language which we speak even at our home but was not able to read it so i learned how to read and even got a bit better at urdu and as far as arabic is also concerned i learned arabic in the same school itself all starting from the scratch okay so now you're fluent in arabic as well yeah alhamdulillah استطيع ان اتكلم باللغه العربيه ايضا لكن ان تتكلم اللغه العربيه فيها i was so that our english audience gets to know what i'm no. saying it's important that you need to have that environment hmm. wherein you have colleagues or your family members with whom you are able to speak so no. this is a very important part i remember that after having completed my cambridge a level examinations so even i have appeared through the uk board itself no. the famous cambridge international a level examinations so after i passed out i got my admission into one of the famous institutions in india by the name of college of hadith and islamic studies in bangalore so when i got admitted over there for further hadith studies it was a rule it was made mandatory upon us that you have to speak only and only in arabic we had several students we had students from all parts of india including some students who came from a state known as kerala so kerala this state the muslims from this state they don't speak urdu they only speak their mother tongue malayalam it's malayalam mm. so these students were also a part of our batch so while speaking to such students you only had one option which is arabic they didn't know urdu they didn't know english they only knew malayalam and arabic this also made it easier for me to practice speaking arabic so speaking has to carry along if yes. you want to get better at it definitely it definitely daily, uh, it should be a part of your daily life. i think if you're living here like uh, my only opportunity to do that is with my uh, arabic tutor but I don't want to I've had a, a previous interviews on learning Arabic so I don't want to go too much into that we'll continue on this topic so alhamdulillah it's been 45 minutes I had some more questions to ask you and that is in terms of what was the process that led you to get an ijaza in one of the recitations of the Quran Okay so regarding the process or the story of how i obtained my ijaza this goes back to the year 2018 so by the year 2018 i had almost completed several revisions even i could say that more than 50 revisions were completed by then and alhamdulillah i had gained confidence over my hips to a very good level even i got the opportunity to participate in some of the competition the quran competitions so one thing which i realized by then was i had heard of some certificates which are given wherein your name is linked to prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so i had heard it from some of my ustaz themselves they said that there are some people who hold a chain of ustaz which reaches up to prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so i was very much excited and very much curious about how do i go ahead with it so then i learned that it is the ijaza system through which you can get your name linked to the tila or the chain which is going up to prophet so that was when i was studying in bangalore itself 
when I was doing my Hadith studies at College of Hadith and Islamic Studies. We had one Ustaz, he was a graduate from, he is a graduate from Medina University, he's still there, Alhamdulillah. So at that time, I learned that he is also an Ijaza holder. So I approached him, I told him that, Sheikh, I want to obtain Ijaza under your guidance. I want to complete this process. So the problem with our Sheikh was that he was very busy, was not able to commit and give me a time. And this kept along for a few months until I thought to myself that instead of giving up on it, I should search for some online options. So I searched for some online options through which I can obtain Ijaza. And I came across Global Quran Memorization Center, which is Department of International Open University, IOU. And there I came to know that... The Dr. Bilal Phillips. The one, yeah, the one run by Dr. Bilal Phillips itself, mm. himself. So I found that they are offering Ijaza in HIVS program. So there are two types of Ijaza. One is Ijaza in Tilawa. Ijaza in Tilawa is given for those who are not Hafiz. So what they do is just they recite from beginning of the Quran until the end. Mm. And they obtain Ijaza in Tilawa. As for Ijaza in Hibs, this is given to those people who are Hafiz and who are who have a strong memorization of the Quran. It's not just given to every Hafiz, but at, even at the beginning, you are tested. How strong is your Hibs? So if your Hibs is found to be strong, then you are allowed to go ahead and proceed with obtaining it. So I enrolled for Ijaza in Hibs. They did take some tests. And Alhamdulillah, after that, I started my study with my Sheikh from Misr. He is Sheikh Muhammad Hamdi al-Nabawi, Hafizahullah. He is from Egypt, also passed out from Al-Azhar University. So he was the one who was assigned to me and I studied with him for around one year in total, reciting the Quran all the way from Surah Al-Fatiha until Surah Al-Nas. And once I completed one revision or one, what you call it, one daur of the Quran, after that, he even asked me to read from Jews number one until Jews number 15. So that took me around one year duration. Okay. Uh, what is special about the Ijaza is that the Sheikh or whoever is giving you the Ijaza, he ensures that you have recited each verse of the Quran exactly the way Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has taught. So you are aware that Ijaza system is one of the ways through which the prophetic way of Quranic recitation has stayed preserved even until date. So mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has just not guaranteed the protection of his words, but even he has guaranteed the protection of the way this Quran is supposed to be read. So it is through this Ijaza system, the Quranic way of recitation, the Quranic recitation, it has stayed preserved even until date. Mm. Yeah, because it's something a lot of people are interested in, but obviously you have to, we have to make sure that our hips is strong and our intention is strong and correct. Exactly. And now I wanted to, because I need to, I could get into more of the details with you but I want to start bringing it towards some form of a conclusion, but I had some more things that I needed to ask you about. How much time do you have anyway? I have almost half an hour okay. before my next class starts 
<laughs> okay, that's perfect. So I won't take the full half an hour because it'll give you some preparation time, inshallah. No Briefly, okay, so just to give an outline, I want to talk about some common mistakes that people make. But also then I want to ask you about how you got into teaching online and we'll talk about the course that you offer as well, inshallah. So one thing I've noticed since childhood is a lot of the imma or uh, imma is the plural for imams, isn't it? Yeah, especially from the Indo-Pak region. And when I say Indo-Pak, I say mostly Pakistani because they're the ones that I've come across in my community. They don't have, how can I say, they don't have accurate, they, why do you think and if you go to the technical rule, uh, and I only learned this recently, one kind of overarching thing that I'll say is, even if you've done hifs and you think that you read according to Tajweed, I will still recommend people to, if they've never formally studied the science of Tajweed properly with the proper Arabic terminology and with a proper tutor, is something that I would still recommend because you realize there's a lot of small errors that you might be making because prior I was under the impression that I don't need to learn the rulings because I already recite according to Tajweed. This was my kind of impression. Only once I started studying with you and I'm still only on lesson 16 of the course which has taken me ages, but I'm just doing it alongside a lot of other things. You realize there's a lot of small things and also labeling all of the different techniques, all of the different rules, it helps you memorize them. So for example, one thing I noticed is the main thing that I think these uh, Pakistanis traditionally fall short on is, is it isti'ala, isti'ala where all of the... Isti'ala and istifal. Yeah, so all of the non-heavy letters and you have a very good Arabic acronym to remember the heavy letters, which is Gith. And see, these are all the little things that you learn. Alhamdulillah, like this is why I recommend people do this because before, if someone asked me, yes, I would be able to go through in my mind and tell them the heavy letters, but it would take me a lot longer just because I didn't have this little nugget of kind of information. And that's one of the key concepts behind this project that I like to get to people because it's try and study from an expert or try and keep improving. Don't think that you're, even if you've done HIFS, don't think that you've reached the stage. There's always more to learn. Like even in this interview, I've learned a lot about the different mushafs and stuff. And I think, yeah, so getting back to the point, any of the non-heavy letters, they don't use, so uh, they read everything with a Sotagalid mm -hmm. fat voice, as in yeah. like... Uh, heavy voice. They make all light letters heavy. Naam. So it'll be like Rahman, Rahim, like that. Why do you think, what's the root cause there? Obviously the apparent cause is just, they haven't studied it, but why do you think it's like a systematic thing where a lot of these alims, even those who have completed Nizami courses, they don't have this. Why do you think that is? What do you just mentioned? Even uh, let me add on some of what I have observed here in India. I offered Salah in one of the mosques and one of the Imams, the Imam in that particular mosque, he was saying, Allahu Akbar, Bar. So he was doing Kalkala on a letter where mm. there need not be any Kalkala. No. And several things like what you just uh, mentioned. I observed this uh, Imam reading this for several years. He reads it this way. 
Alhamdulillahirrabbilalaminarrahmanirrahim. So this is a very big mistake of Tajweed. And you have asked me regarding the reason why this is widespread. Of course, the first reason is that they have not studied Tajweed from the right tutors or from the right person, from the right sources. It's important that you study it from the one who is qualified for it. If you ask me, in India, there are, you could say, there are hundreds and thousands of teachers who go along teaching in the in our communities and they are not qualified. One of the ustas who came to teach us when we were just young, when he came in on the very first day, he made us read this way. He said, Allah la ilaha illa ho. So he was reading this way. So my parents, when they heard, they said that uh, even my parents were not aware of Tajweed in those days, but they recognized that this is obviously not the right way of reading Quran. So we told that particular ustas that we are going to switch to someone else. And we did that. So the problem is that there are hundreds of unqualified tutors who are going about teaching Quran according to that old fashioned and outdated way. This is not how Quran is read. Even in the old times, this was not how it was read. So mm. the main problem in the Indian subcontinent is that there is a very huge influence of Urdu language. Since in India and Pakistan, it is Urdu, which is the mother tongue of Muslims. So the problem is that they have allowed Urdu influence to come into their Arabic learning. So they say Alif, Be, Te, Se. The right way of pronouncing these Arabic letters is Alif, Ba, Ta, Sa. This is how you pronounce it in Arabic. But that that same Urdu, inf in Urdu we say Alif, Be, Te, Se. So mm. when they are learning Arabic, they are learning to read it in the same way. And even let me give you another example. For example, when we speak in Urdu, if you take any light letter, light Arabic letter like Hamza. So in Urdu we say Ana, Jana, Khana. Mm. But when you come to Arabic, these people, they allow that Urdu influence to come on these light letters. So they say, for example, Amanu. They say Amanu. Rather it is Amanu. Amanu. It has to be with a flat Amanu. So they allow that Urdu influence to come into their Arabic reading as well. So this is the biggest reason why this these mistakes are noticed amongst the aima or even the ulama or even the common people who belong mm. to the Indian subcontinent. Mm. So for that, it is required that you learn Arabic, learn how to read Arabic, empty of any Urdu influence. Mm. You learn it the way it is spoken in Arabic. For example, yeah. if you want to learn any language, if you want to learn how to speak in English, so you will refer to how a native English speaker speaks. Mm. You won't just get started with speaking English the way you want. Rather, you will refer to how the native people are speaking and you will try your best to imitate that. That's what comes even when it comes to Quran learning. So you have to read it the way it is supposed to be read in the Arabic language. Yes, I think you make a very good point about the Urdu influence because I was once watching one of these TV shows where it's a call-in show where people recite the Quran and the presenter, he corrects them. And on almost 95% of the callers, let's say they were like middle-aged, like Pakistanis, 
the same advice was aap urdu lehje mein na padhe like aap yani uh, in english don't read in the uh, urdu accent and but they it also happens when some of these they know arabic but they still speak the arabic in the urdu accent so when they're giving the giving an example of a certain hadith or a certain uh, quote that an arabic writer or scholar wrote even then when they quote it they uh, read it in urdu yani they'll say hada yeah uh, that's not a good example but you know what i'm trying to say yeah exactly i can understand but, yeah so my thing was like you know how with other things it's more precise and technical as in hadith science or like aqida it has to be precise they can't move on but with tajweed i feel like there's some slack in the system because they managed to progress at that level and obviously the ruling is that you should recite in the way the quran was revealed to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam right and it's like an obligation to try and do this and so i feel like that's what was puzzling me a little bit because it doesn't seem and a lot of these errors how in your course mashallah you have this about lahnul jufi jalin and lahnul khafi naam and like the hidden mistakes but some of, most of these aren't hidden mistakes they're the apparent ones because if they're not doing the apparent ones they definitely make some of the other mistakes where there's the rules on the letter ra how there's a light ra tarqiq and how there's a heavy ra they most definitely don't do that because they're not even doing isti'la as in yeah so that's what was on my mind you've addressed it nicely so i wanted to move on to the next the next question and that was what gave you the insight or what got you into develop, developing this online course online tajweed course and how you got into that okay so the question is regarding how did i get the insight towards developing this online tajweed course which yeah. i have started yeah so uh, it goes back to the year 2019 wherein i obtained my ijaza so after i completed the process of obtaining ijaza i was always looking forward that whatever knowledge i have gained through this course of study with my ustaz i must bring it out in front of our people those who are enthusiastic those who are seeking to learn tajweed i must bring it out before them and that's what inspired me to develop this particular course by the name tajweed essentials course so this was back in ramadan 2021 and always i had this thought that tajweed based upon my observation whatever i had observed until then i had always seen that tajweed concepts were not being made simplified lots of complexities lots of technicalities were being taught in the common courses or in the common classes in fact i remember there's one tajweed teacher i won't like to take the name etc but i just noticed the way they are teaching they are making you learn each and every complex arabic terminology have you ever heard of the term taqaqur no but is it related to repetition no no that's not that's takrir okay. 
No, I just thought it might be related to it. Taqaqur, I heard, uh, because I happened to study Tajweed at an advanced level with my Ustaz. No. But uh, I understand that it is not at all essential that you teach what Taqaqur is to your students. Because it does not have any direct role in your Quranic recitation. So that's when this idea came in my mind that I must focus on the essentials. I must focus on only the essentials of Tajweed. And from that thought itself, I named this course as Tajweed Essentials, wherein mm -hmm. I make you focus on getting the essentials right. The fastest way to attain proficiency in your Quranic recitation is that you focus on the essentials, what matters the most and what plays a direct role in your Quranic recitation. Concepts like taqaqur, concepts like ismat, idlaq, etc. These are concepts which do not have any direct role with your Quranic recitation. In fact, I also observed after the scholars, they mentioned what idlaq and ismat is. They mentioned that this does not have a direct role with Tajweed or direct connection with Tajweed. It has a linkage with grammar. So it's not something which is supposed to be taught because the more you make it complex, the difficult it gets for the student to apply. So you make it simplified. You present that knowledge in a digestible manner when the student learns it is able to apply it on its own. So mm. that's what gave me the thought that I should go ahead and present the Tajweed Essentials course. So it was back in Ramadan 2021, wherein I launched my first batch. And Alhamdulillah, we did receive a good response. At first, we had launched it in English itself. And then later on, we also launched Urdu batches. And right now, it's the seventh batch which is running. We are right now in July 2022. And Alhamdulillah, it's the seventh batch which is studying with us. And many of these students, Alhamdulillah, it's a blessing of Allah that they have been studying Tajweed ever since Ramadan 2021. So even until date, they are studying. And right now, some of them are also pursuing the Ijaza course. Uh, mm. As they are not Hafiz, so they are pursuing the Ijaza in Tilawa course. So no, that's no. in brief about this course. MashaAllah. And that's my aim also, inshallah. Once I finish it, then I will take the practice lessons with yourself, the in-practice ones. I learned a lot and I'm sure everyone else benefited too. The course is very well presented, the slides and the presentation style is very good. So it's something that I would recommend. And I should also share the link at the bottom. So I'm sure people, after having listened to this, they'll be more interested in from you, inshallah. So yeah, Jazakallah khairan for your time. And I don't want to impede on your next lesson time. So I think we'll end it there. Unless you've got any final remarks, then we can conclude it here, inshallah. Yeah, my final remarks are that uh, all of us as Muslims, we strive hard in terms of fulfilling the rights of the Quran upon us. And if you talk about the rights of Quran upon us, the very basic right is that you recite the Quran the way it deserves to be recited. You recite it according to the prophetic way, the way which Allah has preserved all these years. You learn mm -hmm. to recite it that way. And then 
you move along you move along towards understanding the quran in the right manner implementing it in your lives and even preaching its message to one and all mm. and the most important thing which will help you in this journey whether you are doing the uh, whether you are doing hibs or whether you are learning tajweed the most important thing after all is allah's help so allah's help is the most important thing and when does allah's help come it comes when you are sincere it comes when your efforts are being put into pleasing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you are striving to please allah every now and then when you are able to do that surely you will become the recipient of allah's help and but natural allah's help will only come when you are someone who is striving hard so walladhina jahadu fina lanahdi annahum subulana as for those who strive in our way will surely guide them to our pathways and indeed allah is with the doers of good so striving hard is a must you can't say that i will just relax and allah's help will come to me it's not at all possible and the third most important thing to remember is that you refer back to the experts to those who are experts in the field whether you want to learn tajweed you refer back to the tajweed experts and if you want to pursue hibs so do it under the guidance of an expert so these are my final remarks and i pray that allah subhanahu wa taala he blesses your initiative the the initiative mm-hmm. named optimizedmuslim.com and alhamdulillah i resonate with it very much this is one of the things which i have also been working on as to how can you optimize your day to day living and i find your resources as well to be very helpful alhamdulillah and i pray that this keeps growing and benefiting a larger audience inshallah and Ameen. may allah subhanahu wa taala accept it from you and from all of us and may he place these efforts which we are taking in our mizan on no. the day of judgment some beautiful words to end there jazakallah khairan and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh bismillahir rahmanir rahim so jazakallah khairan if you are still listening then please like share and subscribe and if you could leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform especially if you're on apple podcast that really helps the podcast grow and it gets shared to more people jazakallah khairan assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh